0: Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. Food security affects our strength as a nation.
1: Uh, health is a very, very big, big, big problem in America. And this debate about health care would, would be ended so quickly if we just changed uh, our lifestyles and started to make better for
0: you the new normal. I'm in Washington, D.C. today with Randy Ostra, the CEO of ProMedica. Randy, thanks for being here. Thank you. And I'm also here with my sister, Debbie Shore, the co-founder of Share Our Strength, who I usually forget to even mention, but pretty good, right, Deb? I poked you, so you can't forget. Thanks. And in uh, New York, Rocco Dispirito, um, chef, James Beard, award-winning chef, author of, I was going to say 12 books, Rocco, is that right? Uh, it'll be 13 in October. will be 13 soon, I should have guessed. Lots um, of passion and stirring. Lots of passion and stirring. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you for being with us. You know, I'm really excited for this conversation because I feel like, uh, although I don't think you and Randy uh, have ever met, uh, both of you are passionate about health. And I want to start by talking a little bit uh, about how that came to be. A lot of chefs are uh, attuned to issues of health and nutrition, but uh, you've really, really focused on it, Rocco. Tell us where it started and how that how it's impacted your career.
1: Oh, it started like it starts with most people, that that uh, fateful day at the doctor's office where he says, or she says, guess what? You've got to start taking medicines and they cause all kinds of side effects, or you can change your diet and start exercising and reverse everything that you've done to yourself in the last 30 years. And, Uh, Then the doctor proceeds to tell you that most people don't listen and uh, don't diet and exercise and do not reverse anything and start taking the medications. And of course, it's a downhill uh, downhill from there. And uh, for some reason, I decided to uh, listen to his better advice, which was to change my lifestyle, exercise, eat better. And that worked out pretty well for me. And I started... uh, to realize that I had to eat differently, that exercise and, and health, active lifestyle wasn't enough. And really, uh, 12 years into it, I've realized that it's 90% food and about 10% exercise. So
0: that was 12 years ago for you. How old were you at the, t- at the time of that 38, doctor's visit?
1: 38. And I had the metabolic age of a 68-year-old man Did you? and a family history of heart disease. So it really wasn't looking good. When you crunched the numbers, it wasn't looking good.
0: Uh, and But then it, it, it impacted the way uh, you cooked for others, the way that you talked about your work. So, you, I mean, it not only changed you, but it changed everything you sure. can Sure. I mean, my work,
1: uh, my work changed 180 degrees. I went from making, you know, super indulgent, uh, delicious, uh, extremely high-quality food at Union Pacific to doing the exact same thing uh, for my cookbooks and now my clients, um, but with healthier ingredients and uh, a diet that base metrics are uh, carb free. I'm um, sorry, gluten free, dairy free, sugar free, and carb corrected. So when I say carb corrected, we live on carbs. We need to eat a lot of carbs, but uh, not the
0: empty calorie kind. And Rocco, just before I turn to Randy, um, just say a word or so about how you got into cooking in the first place.
1: Oh, I was uh, a, a s- s- <laughs> child bride at 11. I wanted to buy Love Gun by Kiss, and my mother was convinced that they were um, devils on earth, <laughs> so she wouldn't give me any money. Uh, not that she had $9.99 at the moment, but she told me if I wanted, if you want a, this record from a, these are devils, you got to go get a job. So I got a job in a restaurant Which, uh, at okay. 11 years old, and I never turned back. And I bought the record. That's, a good that's, that's that literally how I got that into that it. And now, and now Paul Stanley is, is one of my clients.
0: It's come full circle. That's a great story. Um, Randy, you're a uh, uh, CEO of a health insurance company, a nonprofit um, health insurer, but also really known for the degree to which you've brought food and nutrition and health and what we now call social determinants of health into this work. You started, though, as a hospital administrator, is that correct? Right. Yeah, a hospital for the, manager uh,
2: last 30 years and uh, been in healthcare around the Midwest primarily. and uh, uh, health systems, health insurance, uh, kind of the whole gamut.
0: And what got you into it? Probably not buying a record.
2: You know, um, this is—I uh, was uh, uh, had a job as a consultant. Um, I was in a small airplane going out to a, uh, an Indian reservation, a public health service hospital, and a physician I was with asked me, "What was I going to be doing when I was fifty years old?" And I looked at him kind of blank, and he said, "You're not going to be doing this." And so that began a series of discussions. Uh, I was in my late 20s. And at 30, my uh, wife and I uh, quit our jobs, sold our cars, um, sold our house, and went back to school in hospital administration with two kids. So I had a 180 and got into healthcare administration. Uh, Long story, but uh, since then, for the last 30 years, been in healthcare.
0: And how did you make the uh, switch from hospital administration to running a company like ProMedica?
2: You know, um, so I started in the hospital business. So we have hospitals, we have physicians, we have a health plan. So, um, I, you know, we moved to Toledo, Ohio uh, 20 years ago. We're not from there originally. I thought we'd spend a couple of years, 20 years later, raised a family there. And it's just one of these, you know, uh, Midwest cities that's on a comeback trail with just tons of uh, issues from a health basis, a well-being basis. And I've really found uh, with the people that I work with every day just this great passion to try to change people's lives, and just a great opportunity to do it in a community like Toledo. And Rocco, you changed your life in a pretty profound way,
0: as you described. How have you seen others change theirs that you've worked with?
1: Well, Randy, uh, first of all, let me um, compliment you on your work. It's it's, uh, it's exactly what's called for today. It's the kind of health care that we really need. I think uh, can't remember the exact statistic, but we spend um, – uh, two to three times more money on healthcare than we do food now, and back in the 60s, it was the inverse. Uh, If we spent a lot more money on food, we wouldn't need as much healthcare. Um, It's just strange uh, that uh, the national priority has become for-profit, you know, lots of medicine, lots of healthcare, as our food choices dwindle and become less and less healthy. Um, and it's, you know, it's a trend we need to reverse and obviously Randy, you and I and Billy, of course, uh, we're all thinking uh, along the same lines. Um, uh, in my clinic, I, I, I watch what you describe happen, Randy, on a daily basis. I have a small clinic where I treat, uh, and I say I treat because I believe that, um, that's what I do with the food I provide. I, I work with clients one-on-one. One. I, I'm their health coach. I'm their private chef and their, uh, nutritionist and, um, believe it or not, there are people on the other side of the spectrum who are suffering from the same problems. They don't know how to get from A to B. They don't know where to start when it comes to being healthy. Uh, Successful CEOs who at 60, you know, are told, uh, you're a diabetic and uh, your lifestyle has caused this. And they come to me clueless. And and these are people who are top of their game in their fields. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, health and wellness, the entire country is at risk, not just the people we define as at risk, because there's so much information, it's so confusing. And the choices aren't th- not there. And, and I feel what I provide is a healthy and delicious choice. And, and it's important that it's healthy and delicious because healthy food that tastes like healthy food, has been around for a long time, and nobody wants to eat it, and that's why no one does, and that's why everybody's, everybody's buying the less expensive, not healthy, but delicious food. Um, and about 12 years ago, when I started to uh, pivot to health, um, I, I started training for triathlon by accident. My chiropractor, who was a major force of, uh, in my life uh, in terms of my health, uh, asked me to participate in a charity a lot like Share Our Strength does, you know, the those... Uh, rooms where you have a, lots, a lot of chefs doing these grazing events. And I thought he asked me to participate in one of those, and he, it turned out to be a triathlon. And I was in his team, and uh, we were raising money. And uh, I, I couldn't walk a mile at that point, much less run three and bike 15. This was a, the smallest triathlon there was. So as I trained for this triathlon, I, I had to increase my calorie consumption. And in the triathlete world, that's done with bars and shakes, Literally bars and shakes—that's all triathletes eat for the most part—and then goo, which is essentially just a solid form of glucose that you, you know, stuff down your throat as you're running and cycling. And uh, I thought, oh, this is not this is not going to be okay for me. I, I just sold Union Pacific, three, my three-star restaurant in New York City. Um, so the first thing I tried to do was make lobster bisque healthier and uh, delicious. And it turns out the healthier and a healthier version of lobster bisque is much more delicious than the unhealthy version. And I started to see these results. And as I took out the empty calorie carbs and replaced it with nutrition nutritionally dense ingredients, uh, I started to see that, hey, th- this stuff's better. It's not – there's no deprivation here. There's no reason to feel deprived. This this food is actually more delicious in many cases or as good, even with fried chicken and and cupcakes and brownies and all kinds of other things that shouldn't be good for you. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I felt like I discovered a solution, a solution to a serious problem. Because when people do have the opportunity to make a good choice, Randy, as you said, 87% are highly motivated. They will make a good choice. So it's up to us to provide them with an endless amount of good choices. And as a chef and now uh, an unofficial nutritionist, self-taught Um, I have the ability to not only tell them what to eat but to actually make things that they should eat and deliver it to their home. And if we could somehow scale this and create this opportunity for lots of people, I think you'll find the path that people take in their lives will change very quickly and very easily. Most people want to make a good choice. But when you go out there and try to find something good to eat, it's just not there. This is why chefs are so important to this effort, right? So at share strength we work with, you know, thousands of chefs uh, at every level. And what you're talking about, Rocco, is so important because, as we know, restaurants and chefs and the celebrity world has gotten so big in this country, it's so influential, right? It's so inspirational that if we can do more of what you're talking about um, with chefs, people will have exposure and the knowledge, um, you know, where to get healthy uh, and nutritious and delicious food, because you're right, it's got to taste good. to, they're just not going to go back. And chefs can make that happen.
0: Uh, any uh, examples, either Rocco or Randy, when we do this the right way, when we treat people, not just inside the walls, Randy, but as you say, outside the walls, when Rocco, they have the information they need and they understand it's a false choice between healthy and delicious, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, any examples of... Uh, Impact it's made on on the lives of folks that you've worked with.
1: Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. many thousands of examples. Uh, pl-
2: Randy, please go first. Yeah, I was just going to say we um, we uh, uh, were built an inner city grocery store and uh, a lot of that has to do in you know, a food desert and working with communities uh, and so we are doing job training we're doing a uh, financial uh, counseling we're seeing people you know fundamentally change lives and uh, we have a donor who gave us some money so we're actually chronicling their story so we have 50 changed lives of people who literally you know um, uh, were not eating healthy had no access to fresh fruits and vegetables have changed their life health my health perspective. Others that have been trying to get jobs, they had no no ability to understand financial counseling or even you know knowing what a credit score is. So all those things we've seen just tremendous. Again, it goes back to this notion of people wanting to change and uh, giving them the tools and the opportunities to. We've just seen um, just a great response and a very you know just a limited time frame. This is a
0: grocery store that Pro medica created
2: um, in Toledo. Y- yes, yeah, so we we're in a food desert. We went to the the. A supermarket chains try to get some partners nobody would work with us so when we you get it say ourselves. food desert
0: you mean there's no grocery options around and
2: there's nothing right so uh, it was an empty building the city gave us an empty building we were talking a donor uh, heard us talk about it gave us a couple million dollars said I, I think there's something here um the second floor is a teaching kitchen and financial counseling and now another one of our board members is leasing the third floor to create 30 jobs in a call center so we're training people um uh, and uh, you know Doing a whole bunch of things, and again, I think it's just there's a great opportunity to take you know just connecting some dots, and uh, we did it because it's the right thing to do. And now what we're seeing is just this you know movement of people working together to change lives. We have bank partners, school partners, a whole bunch of uh, folks helping us. How about you, Rocker? What have you seen?
1: Sure, Randy. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but do do you believe as I believe that there's been a mass awakening on on every level from corporations to individuals. Uh, that making a healthier lifestyle choice, whether it's today, tomorrow, or every day, is going to lead to a longer, happier, more fulfilling, more profitable, just a better overall existence. Yeah, uh, I- even, even health insurance companies have, have hired me to teach—I'm For I'm talking about for-profit, big-brand health insurance companies have hired me to teach their clients how to make healthier choices because they've realized that prevention is far less expensive than treatment.
0: So, Randy, just as Rocco's been talking about, it's kind of a false choice between healthy and delicious. You can have both. I want to understand how your work has impacted your your business. Is it a false choice that uh, a, a, an insurance provider like ProMedica uh, can't be doing the right thing in terms of helping people outside the four walls uh, and succeed as a business, if you see what I mean. And tell us a little bit about just the size of Prometica. Sure. I know that you've, you're in two states and you've got um, a number of providers and, and customers. Yeah,
2: so uh, we have the 13 hospitals and uh, we have an insurance plan called Paramount that's got about 350,000 members. Uh, we employ about 900 physicians and providers. So it's it's uh, southeast Michigan, northwest Ohio, um, automotive country. You know areas that have been hit uh, particularly hard. So when you look at you know demographics, Trump country now now it's Trump country. Yeah, and you know, not so much our part of uh, Ohio, but uh, we're a little less so. But uh, definitely, you know um, that kind of ebbs and flows with the car industry, and uh, so yeah, it's been really hit hard. When you look at rates of poverty, uh, food insecurity. Uh, In our county, it's probably 19%, so uh, it's very, very high. And I think those are all issues. And so, you know, I think uh, that's part of the issue in healthcare. You know, we we have a lot of choices where sometimes we have to do things that really aren't good for our business, quote-unquote, you know, and that it does drive revenue away from us. But, you know, that's why we exist. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why we do it. From a pure health insurance, you know, idea, though, that's really you want to keep people out of hospitals. You want to keep people out of emergency rooms. And it really starts um, at a very young age. So, um, you know, when the Affordable Care Act came, we changed our mission statement, simple, improve health and well-being. So we got really um, fixated on Gallup's work and well-being in these five areas of well-being, um, career yeah. well-being, social, financial, and then community and um, those kind of well-being areas. What is interesting about that, so immediately, as Rocco was talking about, we start focusing on people as adults, but it's children – That we have the issue with, so we assume that from a well-being standpoint, we start to care about them when they're when they're adults. And but we got to get them there. So all these healthy choices, what what Rocco was talking about, and the things that we talk about is is hunger um, as a major health issue in our country. It starts with you know the mom carrying a child, and those early years, and what we do from there on. So you know we kind of think about that, and and it's really important to begin to get that embedded in our whole total. Uh, society and world and so that's why as we start to partner with people like Rocco and say you know we really need to drive this into schools we need to drive this into healthcare we need to drive this into doctors' offices where they'll start to talk about that instead of the medication and so we we got to change some things I
0: mean Randy and Rocco you've both been out in front in many ways of your industry and can you talk a little bit about how that's influenced others Rocco we've seen certainly seen other uh, chefs who are beginning to, some of whom have had health issues of their own, or we've uh, listened to Bill Telepan talk about some health issues his children had and how he started cooking different for them and realized if he was cooking different for his own kids, he ought to be cooking different for his customers. Uh, and, and Randy, in terms of insurers around the country, they have to be looking at what you're doing and saying, we see in the handwriting on the wall, we need to get there. How has your, both of your work uh, influenced others in the industry?
1: Uh, I, I've seen a dramatic increase in uh, health and wellness awareness among across uh, the board when it comes to chefs. I, I literally was stunned as I watched one chef after another start to do triathlons and uh, marathons and lose weight publicly and talk about their stories in People magazine. And uh, in the last 20, 12 years, uh, things have changed uh, exponentially exponentially. Um, all of the top players in the food food and wine world are cognizant, aware, are writing about this, talking about this. If they're not doing it in their own restaurants, they're uh, doing it in their charitable work. Um, it's, it's a big topic. And, of course, millennials are driving uh, the healthy food space, um, you know, in a very, very substantial way. So uh, chefs have had to respond. We are providing now, uh, you know, the smoothies and the green bowls that we got made fun of for 12, 15 years ago. Uh, I remember uh, my chef friends thinking I w- I'd lost my mind and started cooking hospital food in 2005 when I when I pivoted to healthy. Uh, health is a very, very big, big, big problem in America. And this debate about health care would, would be ended so quickly if we just changed uh, our lifestyles and started to make better for you the new normal. Uh, it, it really... I I'm, I'm baffled as to how there isn't a single moment where anyone in our government stops and says, "Hey guys, what about healthier choices? What about better for you choices? What about subsidizing organic farmers instead of the corn farmers who are producing the 400 kinds of sugars that we put in all our processed foods?" Uh, you know, when when that starts to happen, then we're going to see major shifts happen very quickly.
0: Uh, Randy, are we going to figure out health insurance in this country? What's your What's your gut? You've been at this a long time.
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, just currently what we're at, you know, we have a House bill that just got passed, the American Health Care Act. Um, that, that, that bill will not pass in the Senate. You know, what's interesting about what we're doing is we're tweaking a model that doesn't work. And right. the model is fundamentally wrong. If you could go back to 1965, it's interesting to read about health care. People uh, blame the healthcare industry. We created this as a country. It goes all the way back to post-World War II, and we built all these hospitals trying to put, you know, people coming back from war. We put them all to work, so we built all these hospitals. Um, We've done a whole bunch of things. We paid people to build hospitals, and we we, we reimbursed them for that. And then we did this great thing in 1965. We passed Medicare and Medicaid. We just didn't put any controls on it. And had, if you could go back and put some sort of controls or or balance it much toward primary care, uh, mental health services, these kind of services, if we could have done that. And the problem is right now we start to think about problems in in what's going to happen in the next year or two or three. The fact that we don't provide a base level of coverage to every American, I think most people would say that doesn't make any sense. But there's nobody looking at the model, what's going to happen, Twenty? how do we change the model over the next decade or two? And if we start to do that as a country, you know, we're we're quickly going to be at 20% of our GDP. We know we can't afford that. Uh, We've got all these people that are going to be on Medicare. Why wouldn't we start a dialogue about let's start to change it over the next 20 years to the model we want? And the reason we would take 20 years is because it will have a tremendous income impact on, you know, specialists and others who spent 30 years of their life trying to get to that point. So I think we got to take some time, but there's no – um, no one's looking at that right now. So does so,
1: Congress consult with people like yourself?
2: You know, um, the only thing that people can agree on is pay us more money and <laughs> don't cut us. I mean, when you look at the common denominator, I hate to say that about health care, but you have so many diverse sort of folks. The one thing we can all agree on is uh, reimbursement. Uh, don't cut it. And so it's it's hard. It's a very you know it's it's then you you talk to, you know, legislators and then pharma's in there lobbying for pharma and then medical device manufacturers who want to make sure that people are buying stuff, construction companies that build hospitals. There is a whole economic engine around healthcare yeah. and there are so many uh, different constituents that are involved in it and it really is going to take i think this concerted effort to say this is not the right path we want to be. We don't need to do that today, but let's think about 25 years from now. And um, you know, I think what the best we see is they want to talk about it two to three years from now, but it's a fundamental problem. So the only thing they can agree on from a legislative standpoint is to cut, and it really doesn't get to the root of the, yeah. Root of the problem.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope
2: this episode
0: of Ad Passion and Stir has contributed to the dialogue that you're talking about, uh, Deb.
1: Uh, yeah. I want to make sure that um, we don't hang up before I get Rocco committed to Chef Cycle next year. I'm sure you've heard about it. You're, Rocco. you're a writer, I'm assuming Rocco. you have, right? Cycle. Just say the word. I'm just give me the Rocco. date. Are you kidding. Well, Cycle.
0: So Rocco, we've got 250 <sighs> chefs riding uh, next in, week in May um, in Santa Rosa to raise money for Share Our Strength No Kid Hungry campaign, and it's turned into an annual event. And we're going to have you at the front of the pack that next year. Yeah, that sounds you, great. I'm Italian. Awesome. I was
1: born to be on a bike. All right. Um, we'll my you. favorite part of the triathlon.
0: Just as we finish up, tell me what's next for both of you. you you've got a 13th book coming out, Rocco. Um, tell uh, us Rocco's
1: is- Healthy and Delicious comes out uh, October 10th. Oh, perfect. Uh, yep, and I'm launching uh, more Healthy and Delicious products. I have a line of protein products that are um, organic, gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free. Uh, and, and where, uh, where do, we find, them? With a- where do oh, we find Where do we find your products? Uh, bro- uh, poundofdaydiet.com or Amazon. Excellent. Prime, and uh, we've got some healthy donuts coming out soon, healthy vegan oh, chocolates. Billy just uh, woke now up. you
0: talking. Healthy yeah. donuts. Yeah.
1: So I'm basically going to attack every bad-for-you food and make it good for you, and then hopefully make it affordable and available
2: to everyone.
0: That's the goal. Uh, Randy, how about you? What's next?
2: Um, we're going to screen every patient that hits our system for all 10 social determinants and then try to put them in touch with some resources. So we're looking at some software for that. We also have a group that we've been working with with uh, uh, you know people across the country, the Root Cause Coalition, and uh, we have our second annual meeting in Louisville. Uh, last year we were in Chicago, we at five hundred people, and it's people coming from around the country talking about all the things they're doing in different social determinants. So, root cause
0: meaning root causes of poverty,
2: uh, absolutely. And so it started with hunger, uh, but it's kind of morphed into more of the social determinants. And we have people there talking about urban farms to you know other housing things they're doing and it's really this essence of poverty and, and all how all these things are connected and so it is the root cause and so uh, uh, they can go to our website and they'll see our conference in Louisville in the fall.
0: Fabulous. Well on behalf of it's my terrific. sister my sister Debbie Shore um, and myself I want to thank you both two pioneers in food and health and in really getting to uh, the root causes of why people are struggling and suffering so uh, Rocco Despirito, thank you so much for being with us Really it's truly really been my it. pleasure, thank you. And Randy Ostra, just a pleasure having you here, and I hope um, your time in Washington will impact some of the policymakers here as well.
2: Uh, hopeful, hopeful. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Get closer to the problems that you care about. There's a famous photographer named Robert Kappa who once said, if your pictures are not good enough, you're not close enough. Well, in the social change space, getting close, bearing witness, going into the community, working with people directly, getting an understanding of what they need, that's often the precursor to really powerful transformational change. Don't just post. Don't just preach. Get your hands dirty and get involved. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Kerry Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhall. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.